0: Australia, Quay Cooper for the win,
1: it's on its way, it's on its way, it's gone,
0: Quay Cooper is the man.
1: Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, where diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things rugby. We're real, family friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Get involved. Now, it is me, Ando, your regular host. Mitch is gallivanting around the world and so can't be here this week. You might have noticed two different voices on your airwaves, and they are Lock and Gray from Scumbags, and Joey Ho, pick-and-drive fantasy player and Brumby's aficionado. Welcome, gentlemen.
2: Lockie, great to have you on the pod. Hi, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's very much a first-time caller, long-time listener sliding into the DMs and getting a little slot, so
0: it's an absolute joy to jump on.
1: Mate, absolute joy to have you here. And Joey, how are you, my friend? Been a while?
0: Yeah, it has been a while. Thank you for having me back on uh, with the last-minute call-up. So I feel like a potential overseas Wallabies prospect. It's...
1: Exactly. Yeah, Do you play okay. 12?
0: Have a 12 in New jersey by any chance? Uh No, but I can take Tenny Ellis' spot on the bench if you want. All
1: right, good to know. <laughs> um, for those of you who are expecting the um, dulcet tones of Simon Nelson to be joining from WA, the Republic of Western Australia, he um, basically got the timings mixed up with a bunch of things. I mean, it's really hard having to count... And Adams' a track from Threes, like being over in Perth, so he found it really, really challenging, and unfortunately <laughs> had to pull out. So Joey has, with about nine minutes of notice, been able to jump on board and join us. So thanks for coming, Joe. Yeah. Um, well team. I'm going to run through a couple of things and then we'll get into our actual chat but for tonight we need to start with the Super Brew results. So uh, knowing that we still have the uh, France and Japan game to be playing at midnight tonight, these aren't final but right now as of time of recording we've got Boat Race Captain, Sensation and Carl Manger who are leading the round in first, second and third which leaves Anabung Sensation and Boat Race Captain as first, second, third overall on the table. And I've told anabung um that i'm going to continue to pronounce their name wrong until they drop out of first position okay so we actually know them they're actually mates with harry and nelson from um from fantasy draft rugby so or draft rugby so i'm basically just going to keep stuffing his name up until he drops out of first place there's a bit of a punishment for beating me How, what do you guys think about that is that fair am i being a bit too mean here that sounds they're reasonable play. Yep. Okay, good. Thank you for validating me. Uh, So tonight, what are we going to talk about? Wallabies versus Ireland, the other internationals. We're not going to touch on every single one. We basically just want to chat wallabies as much as we can and then jump on into the locker room. So without any further ado, let's head on into things. All right, we move now to the main course, what everybody's here to do, which is to expel the demons, purge the demons from their conscience, their memory, their heart, which was yet another loss of the Wallabies over in Europe, going down 13-10 to 10 against Ireland in Dublin. This was yet again a case of so near yet so far and takes our tally of 13 games in 2022, 1-4, lost nine and we've lost five of those games by five or less points joey this one was a hard one to take
0: uh yeah they all are <laughs> and they all <laughs> have been um yeah it had it was a hard one to take uh only because they showed so much i think just commitment and effort and heart to sort of stay in it down to 13 men defending their line like just try saving tackles turn like crucial turnovers just to hang on and hang on. And you thought, oh, look, at the very least, a a draw felt like a sort of a worthy result at the very least for, because I don't think Ireland were particularly good either. So like neither team really deserved to win maybe, but um, yeah, it is tough. I think it's just one thing after another at the moment and you kind of, it's more the build-up rather than the one-off result, I suppose.
1: Exactly. I mean, I finished this game. I was watching it in the kitchen, trying to get some stuff ready for my kids for the day. And I just turned away and just had my hands on my heads and my wife was like, baby, better not let this ruin your day. And I've just said, not now, though. not now. <laughs> it's too soon. Uh, Lucky, what were your immediate reactions after the whistle was blown?
2: Oh, I mean, maybe it was just me, but, totally unsurprised (laughs) with how it all panned out. I mean, you see it falling all apart in the first 50 minutes, the inability to execute, but you still be hopeful because there's amazing moments and highlights that pop up and you're sitting there going, okay, when does it all come crashing down again? And you kind of leave with that empty feeling like you've been cheated, you've just been skinted. And that's kind of how I ended up because it was so good. There were periods where we played so effectively, but the inability to convert pressure into points is just eye-gougingly
1: frustrating at this point. And, and that's it, isn't it? Um, it's been said so many times, but it's the hope that kills you. Because as a Wolbys fan, you you kind of make your living off hoping for the best. And unfortunately, knowing that your team is probably going to be oscillating between frustratingly decent and then just completely inept. And this was one of those frustratingly decent games after the ineptitude of last week, where we went up against the world number one team at their home in Dublin. And we put in a fairly strong performance in many ways to come away with a loss by three points. When, The win was in our hands in the final minute or two of the game. We even got a turnover right at the end, which Buddy Bernard Foley then threw away with a rubbish, rubbish pass. It was just incredibly frustrating that we had worked so hard to make these opportunities to win the game and yet inaccuracies just threw it away. But rather than dwell in a negative because that is so incredibly easy to do let's let's talk about some positive right because there were there were some positives to take from this game. I've, I mean I've just mentioned the fact that we pushed Ireland hard, world number one at home. That's good. Uh, Nwanganita is my pick for a player who impressed. I think mm. he probably, well, he's only had two games for the Wallabies, so it's his best game in the green and gold. And he's showing some of the early promise that we saw. He was probably our most dangerous ball runner uh, on a consistent level across the game. Lockie, who was your kind of pause player who really impressed throughout this match?
2: Yeah, I'll I have to give a quick wrap to Marky Mark as well because he was so effective finding work. He was really herring it around corners. He was taking it in close into contact, running good angles. And we haven't seen that work rate outside of Corobetti in an Aussie winger for ages. Mm. The ability to inject himself into the line and be really effective. So huge, huge shout out to Marky Marky. He was unreal. Um, But my player of the match and probably of the tour so far has been Nick Frost. That bloke has to be a starting second rower for our World Cup campaign. He's unbelievable. His work rate right around the park's fantastic. And his kick pressure, which is something that we've really lacked consistently in the Wallabies pack, is unbelievable. I don't know someone who's been so effective at pressuring around the ruck, particularly box kicks. He's, he's a monster. And his ruck clearances are brutal. Yep. He had one in the 42nd minute where he ironed out Josh van der Fleer, and I was cringing.
1: I was thinking he has a hurdling background I think. He he's got a sprinting background from his time at school I think before he got a bit taller. And you can really see that in those little moments of explosive speed that are required like the kind of kick clear-downs. Um kick charge downs where he just has for a big guy and a massive guy at that he's just got really good speed off uh off the mark and it was really really impressive to see him back up yet again i think he's probably the player of 2022 for the wallabies uh, in term in terms of growth uh and it will be good when we get some of our players like philip and Rodder and like back from injury because it just means that as second row, we've got a lot of depth within our locking stocks, which which is really, really impressive. Uh, Joey, who was a player that stood out for you?
0: Uh, in a similar vein to yours, I went with uh, Jordy Pattaya. Uh, came on the, the field quite early on when Paisami uh, had to go off injured and I thought he was rock solid. That's probably one of the best games he's played for the Wallabies in a long, long time. Uh, it just no mistakes. Um, and if you had a sort of said, the Wallaby's going to play the majority of this game with the back three of uh, Marky Mark, Tom Wright, and Geordie Pattaya, and there's not going to be any stupid offloads, no weird kicks, no poor decisions, and like, and they're actually go, all three are going to have really good games, you'd be like, that's not possible. Yep. So I was really impressed with him. Uh, he did well. Like, he, like Mark, was probably the like one of the more destructive runners we had, he looked the most likely to break the line consistently finished off the try really well. Um, and both him and Marky Mark were just, they you see the benefit of having those sort of athletes out on the wing with the high ball chases. Yep. We just, we were dominating them in that facet of the game to the point where they would, they would drop it. They were either knocking the ball on or we were regathering. They were taking it clean. We were taking it cleanly and, uh, retaining possession. So it was, yeah, I thought it was a really impressive performance by that, Geordie. And that's the whole back a three.
1: really good point that you've just mentioned because it's really been since the departure of Izzy that we haven't really had a player who has been um, dominant within the air. And now I'm not saying Noanganita say is there yet, but what we saw in this game against Ireland was his strength and his ability to position himself well, get up high, and regather. Crossfield kicks or the um, kind of up and unders that are being put out there. So that was really good. And hopefully he can build upon that and also improve moving forward. And it was great to see Pataia be able to get through a full game as well and not come off injured. So that's something positive too. Uh, now, we do... <sighs> There's, there's a part of me, like, we've spoken quite positively about a few players so far, and that's great because there were a few players that really stepped up. I thought um, Holloway had his really good moments. I thought Caden Neville carried and supported really well, particularly within the first half. Uh, Michael Hooper had a few moments of destructive brilliance. Len Iketau absolutely destroyed Bandiaki in one tackle. Just, just flattened him, hit him from the side, and just owned him. And it was brilliant to see him do that. But I also think we do need to acknowledge that we lost and the loss wasn't really due to Irish brilliance and the loss was definitely not due to refereeing interpretation. The loss was definitely on the shoulders of poor uh, performances from some players and from the team in general. And one of the players that's copped a lot of flack, and justifiably so, is Falao Fajengar, particularly because of the yellow card, but also just because of some of his inaccuracies within his play and how that yellow card is a marker or an indication of ongoing discipline challenges that he has. Uh, Lockie, am I being a bit too harsh here in singling out Fajengar as a player who should be copying a bit of criticism for his performance?
2: Well, yes and no, because Fine Guard's yellow card was probably symptomatic of the Wallabies more broadly. We were really ill-disciplined, particularly in rucks that we didn't need to be. Rucks were there, there was no pressure. We see, and I'm sure we'll get into it a bit later on, the amount of neck rolls that we were mm. pinged for. I counted at least four, there were probably more. And I think because of his somewhat reputation as a ill-disciplined player. And there's been a lot of hate on him because of his line-out throwing as well. I think we're probably maybe being a little harsh on him particularly, but I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't sharing himself in glory, which is mm. tough to say because our hooking depth with Parecki out now injured yep. is going to be under the spotlight.
1: And on that point, just before um, we go to Joey for players who we think could be improving as well is um I'm a bit worried for Parecki in terms of the concussions because this is definitely the second maybe the third time within this international window that he's had to take time off because of concussion injuries and I just hope that he's being kind of wrapped in cotton wool and looked after and all the all the right processes are being uh followed with him because he's an excellent player but uh more than that he's a person he's uh, he's a dad with a young family and just want to make sure that I mean nothing happens with him in that regard but uh lucky I just realized I didn't actually jump to you for who you thought uh, maybe didn't perform to the level that they would be expecting. So I mentioned Faye Who is your call for this?
2: Oh, b- Before I get super negative, just I wanted to quickly go back to Hooper because I think we set such a high bar for Hoops and coming back, he comes in 15 tackles without a miss, three turnovers at the breakdown and he was a counter-racking menace. So mm. I think th- that seems like a normal game uh, for us to look at, but Hooper was immense. Uh, That needs to be pointed out, especially in the second half when he really lifted. Um, As for who wasn't incredible, to put it nicely, I think Jack Gordon had one of his poorer games in gold. His decision-making again, a couple of penalties that he gave up. It's not what we need from our backup nine. And we're getting to a stage where Jack Gordon's had a fair few chances. Tate is knocking at the door as well. You've also got Ryan Lonergan putting pressure on I'm not sure how much longer Gordon holds on to it. So a lot hinges on, you know, Welsh selection. Does he get another shot? Has yeah. he earned another shot? So that's what I'm interested to see.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting one. We might come back to that when we talk about the team that we think might be taking the field against Wales for next week. But Joey, who is somebody you think will look back on that match and be a bit disappointed?
0: Um, So it's actually a bit of a tough one because I think Fonga and... Gordon are probably the two high-profile ones. They made the big sort of mistakes. I don't really want to... Like, Precky, obviously, was pretty soft net role that cost that us that first try, joke. and that was frustrating. Such a joke. And I think as a Wallabies fan, you sit there and you go, hang on, we've just copped a whole career of David Pocock having his head tried to be removed from his shoulders at every breakdown, and that gets pulled off, and you're like, why? Um, but no, so the general discipline and stuff like that was frustrating. I think Having just thought about it a bit longer though, um, I I think Foley was a bit disappointing. It was just a bit, I mean, it's probably harsh in given the injuries that we had with Paisami going off, and then like just a rearranged back line. But we had all the territory and all the possession in that first half. Mm-hmm. And to not be able to like Ireland have an outstanding defense. They are an incredible defensive unit, but to not be able to deconstruct that defense and create sort of uh, like another opportunity other than the disallowed try to wipe was I think disappointing and I mean I think it's a reflection of just the Wallabies in general at the moment that there probably wasn't isn't a point of difference um they're definitely missing probably like a Samu Karevi at 12 that provides them a different look um and maybe that comes down to selections as well. Like you could have played Skelton and then you've got him and Bobby Valentini getting you over the game line because we saw how effective he was when he came onto yep. the field. Yep. Um, it was his carry that set up the Pataia try. Mm. But yeah, I like. I mean, it's probably a bit harsh on Foley uh, to sort of lump that on him. But uh, that's, if I was to just have to pick someone out, that's probably what would stand out for me because yeah. at the end of the day, if we're going to hold a 23 year old fly half responsible for last week. I think we need to hold the 32 year old one with 70 odd caps responsible for this week. So,
1: yeah, I think so. And I mean, look, there's always the point of fly halves don't really lose you games. Um, usually but a stronger a week performance 100%. is on the back of what a forward pack is able to do. And I thought the forwards were decent at points throughout this, throughout this match. Um, we were incredibly ineffective in our attack for probably the first like 50 or 60 minutes of the game. I mean, we spent uh, 33% of our possession in the opposition 22. So we had seven, nearly seven and a half minutes in the opposition 22. And that, is really, really poor with a 0.9 points per visit conversion rate, which is Mm. super, super poor. Now that says two things to me. Number one, that says Irish defense was really strong. Okay. So that's, that's credit to the Island and is an area that they are known for being strong in, but also an element of the wallabies attack, which is really poor is the variation in forward attacking shape. So it was just incredibly frustrating to see, particularly when we're playing, maybe about kind of 40, 50 metres out, just one-up runners taking the ball in every single time. And sure, they've got their pod shape. They've got the man on the in, the man on the out, looking nice, there to clean out. Okay, good. Our ruck retention was better than it was previously. But the whenever the player got the ball from usually Nick White, Scrum half, they would never look to tip it in or out. They would just be taking a hit almost every time. And you just need those little variations to provide the defence a different picture to make them second guess themselves. You're providing the defense with multiple options and multiple pictures that they have to react to. And we just weren't good enough with that, which meant that we'd have, I remember one, one period we had like 17, 16 or 17 uh, phases of forward play. And then that went nowhere, and we tried to spin it, spin it wide after that and knocked it on and turned it over almost straight away afterwards just because our forwards had gone nowhere. We needed more variation in my mind in attack. Um, let's shift now to a bit of maybe some moments that caught our eye throughout this game um, for positive or for negative or for whatever reason it
2: might be. Lockie, was there a moment within this match that caught your eye? Yeah, there, there was, and it probably sums up the whole game at least to my mind perfectly about how good we can be and then how far it can go the other way it was about 50 minutes in and we're in our defensive 22 and Hooper and Finngar just smash the breakdown defensively and they clear out all the Irish forwards i think Cale and Doris got sent flying and turn it over game possession with the penalty kick downfield, we get the line out and immediately turn it over. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> just instantly. And I'm just yeah. smashing my head against the wall because poor Jack Gordon's there with no one protecting him and he just got hammered. I mean, how can you be so aware of your breakdown one minute and then completely leave it by the wayside the next? It's that infuriating wallaby tendency and it probably all boils down to that. But I'll, I'll give you one more positive one. I think maybe Joe, you'll appreciate this more. It was a very cathartic moment for Brumby's fans. I think <laughs> maybe 42 minutes in and Caden Neville just creams Mac Hansen, running inside line, absolutely rattled him. And that was a nice little <laughs> yes! moment for all the, for all the, for all the smack Hansen talkers. So we'll see how they go. But um, yeah, that 50th minute was just infuriating.
0: Yeah. Joey. Uh, Having just sort of criticised Foley, his defence, the scramble that him and Whitey put in mm. to take Hanson mm. out to stop what would have been Ireland's, I think, first or second try. Um, and that probably meant that we were actually in the game. So that was probably a highlight for me, that sort of 10-minute period where I think we were 13 on the field mm. because of... The, the craziness know, of uncontested scrums. scrums. yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was. I think that was a highlight. I, that was sort of like okay, we're we're at least in this. They're not they're not going to quit, and they're going to keep fighting. And I mean, that's the one thing you can say about this side is that they don't quit. Yeah, they might suck. They might do some. <laughs> they might do some crazy, crazy things that are infuriating, but they don't quit on it. Um, they they go right to the end. So,
1: and that's one of the things that's almost the most frustrating is like. It's almost easy to get angry and to hate a side that is just incompetent, inept, and not trying. But they're definitely trying. I'm not sure if they're in- inept, but just they have these moments of just pure like, what are you? Doing? Why did you make that choice? Or how could you possibly throw that pass at this time of the game? This makes it so frustrating to watch. Uh, but for me, the moment that caught my eye, I, I kind of mentioned it before, was just that neck roll call on Dave parecki that took away White's initial try. And it was just one of those, one of those calls that Ben O'Keefe um he's he's kind of make a made a hallmark for where where you can argue the technicality or the legality of it and say, yeah, technically, I can see why you've made that call. The same with uh, Jake Gordon joining that mall at the end. Like, mm. technically, technically, yeah, okay, you're probably right. But one of the things that I really like about Wayne, uh, Nigel Owens and also Wayne Barnes to an extent as well is the way in which they would at times be able to overlook some of the technicalities in favor of the flow of the game and the style of the game i thought dave parecki released his supposed neck roll early enough that it made it took away any opportunity for it to be dangerous and it simply should have just been a rugby incident play on nobody got hurt no big deal should this really be something that scrubs out an international try i don't think so um then again if i was irish i'd probably be blowing up and saying, yeah, the right call, ref, well done. Um, So swings and roundabouts, but uh, it's just incredibly frustrating. Um, I think with
0: that, though, too, that's TMO interjection. I don't, like, Ben O'Keefe didn't pick that up live. Mm. That's not him going, oh, I saw something. Can we go back and have a look at it? That's the TMO going, this has happened. We need to stop and look at it. And that was the same thing. He got talked into a few decisions, I think, yep. where he his initial thing was, no, no, I, I think that's fine. Let's play on. Um, the Bobby Valentini had was, was the, yep. the yes. most blatant one. It was like, no, I don't think there's anything in that. I can't even tell if there's contact. And the TMO was adamant that there was. And so he's like, okay, well, I guess it has to be a penalty. But um, so I think that's just more of a the system of how the officials work as a team. Um, so I don't know, like... Yeah, technically it's right. It's just one of those things where I don't... yeah. It's one of those frustrating things, I think, with rugby at the moment where the TMO seems to have a lot of control and say in the game and they're not on the field. They're mm-hmm. not in the flow of the game. And it's sort of like you kind of just wish it was like, just let the referee ref it and we can deal with this other stuff. Yep. Like, that's pretty minor. Like, the minor stuff, if they miss it, they miss it. You just move on and we can sort of sorted out later but anyway. yeah
1: and, and another good example of that comes down to um finger as neck roll so i saw that live um i, I saw that happen and went oh no i hope that i hope they don't go back for that but in the exact same exact same one was it hooper that got absolutely blasted and yeah, yeah. Hit, hit high in that exact same ruck mm. and i'm just like yeah how, how are we looking at this flying guard neck roll? Okay, justifiably it was a neck roll and there had been a team warning. Okay, I get that. But then also not looking at dangerous, potentially potentially dangerous foul play within the exact same rock against oh. against Hooper. So um, I mean, it's just that level of the consistency. But Again, I'm getting caught up in the whinging about things where really we need to be the determiner. Of yeah, race, how
0: right?
1: how, uh, how uh, Razzie do we want to go with this? Oh, oh mate. I we love can deep dive Razzie. Yeah, That I have been justified in my rants for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> suck it. Uh, suck it.
2: Is, two, is two weeks enough for Um,
1: Mate, nah, yeah, it's fine. Hopefully it just sets us down. I don't think it needs to be more. Um, no, it's just nice to see. It's just nice to see some type of consequence because he's a freaking director of rugby. If he was like just a... I don't know, like a pundit or something like that is different, totally different. But the director of rugby, anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Anyway. Okay. Cool. I have a question for you. Um, Joey, do you still hashtag trust in Rennie? Yeah, I do.
0: Why? I don't, How could why? you possibly still trust in Rennie? Because he's a good coach. Um, I, th- yeah, I, I just do. One, I mean, there's the, I think he's just a good coach and I, I like the style of play that he, wants to play and I can see it's the Wallabies aren't far off. They're like a, like it's there. Um, it'd be nice if they could have the full strength 23 available. I think first for a run of time, I think you'd see them put it, results together then, but yeah, I just do. I think he's a good coach. I, the coaching team he's got around him are all good coaches. Um, like I so yeah, I do just trust in that process. I think it's more a matter of, you've got to get a bit of luck with these sort of things and your cards are got to fall in a row, I suppose, to get mm. it, to get it right. Um, there are some things that are a bit frustrating, but I think he's doing the best with the cards he's currently been dealt, which he hasn't been dealt a very good hand at the moment.
1: <laughs> no, he definitely hasn't. And we'll get onto some of the injury crises yeah. in a moment as well. Uh, but lucky There was a fair bit of hyperbole last week after the first ever loss to Italy. And I I can completely understand that. A lot of Rennie's selections were pretty baffling. The loss to uh, Italy was inept in many ways. And I mean that in the full kind of strength of that word. But do you think the criticism of Rennie was justified? And how, how do you think it's changed? Or how has your perspective changed as a result of this improved performance, which was still a loss?
2: it's a good point. I think the frustration that myself and I think a lot of Australian fans had with that Italy game wasn't around the coaching. It was just around the selection. It was about throwing in a bunch of people who hadn't necessarily played on the field together. Sure. They've been touring, maybe there's club connections, but they haven't been under pressure in a task match together. And it just arrogance is a strong word. I think it just showed a bit of misunderstanding as to how you can properly put together a test team. Because every game is important, I think. If we look at that Italy game, sure, we expect to win, but maybe that was taken for granted. And I think that selection side is frustrating. But I'm, I'm still very much on the, in the we Trust bandwagon because do we have a choice? I mean, I, we're, see- nope. we're, see- we're seeing enough good, I think, come out of the team. I mean, games like the French game, the Bledisloe in Melbourne, uh, Adelaide with the box... Perth against the English and that's just this year we're playing such good footy in patches and you can't tell me that if we've got Cooper, Corabetti, Karevi, Rodder, Arnold all these players running around at full tilt that we're not seeing better results so I mean Joey mentioned it we've been dealt a pretty rubbish hand with injuries which we'll get to in a bit I'm sure but yeah we don't have a choice I mean who jumps in at this late notice and what good does it do really
1: yep if you look at all those players and you think uh how, how many points would those players combined be worth in a match and you would think at a minimum five points per match if you were to have karevi cooper and karen betty and uh Rotter, for example available the entire time i know karen betty was available for a big chunk of the season but not the spring tour and so you look at that and you go well five of our games we lost by less than five points or five points or less so therefore. That then turns our ratio of 13 games played to nine wins and then four losses. And the, imagine the narrative and the conversations that would be coming around now. And so the challenge that I think we face is that um, I mean, we all know Australian rugby has been in decline for the last decade or so, to be generous. And we, within that, our pool of top tier quality players has lessened and so i just feel like our capacity to be able to absorb injuries has diminished and so we're just really really struggling as a result of this massive massive injury um injury crisis that we're finding ourselves in so coming out from this game we've had rob valentini no longer available ankle injury maybe syndesmosis injury uh andrew Kellaway, toe taniela tupo uh, Achilles, which is horrific. He's gone for what is it? Nearly 12 months is usually kind of the turnaround for that injury. So maybe.
0: Was, was it a rupture or just a tear? Uh,
1: details not out yet.
0: Yeah, right, Details okay. not
1: out yet. Um, Dave Parecki, concussion. So he'll be out for this next game. Um, Hunter Paisami, medial ligament and knee. Uh, Foley and Skelton are both unavailable due to club commitments for the Wales game. So we've just lost seven players, two of them we knew about in advance, but we now have seven players from our 23 who are no longer available for the Wales game. So we're going to have a bit of a challenge here, my friends. You're going to pick your 23 for the Wales match next week, and we're going to uh, have a bit of a discussion and justify each one. What we'll do, let's do forward packs first. Then we'll go to backline. Then we'll go to bench. And we'll pause and have a bit of a chat about each one afterwards. So, Lockie, start us off, mate. Who's your forward pack for Wales next week?
2: Oh, geez. I mean, really, it's like scratching around the bottom of the favourites box. You're just going to end up with a picnic and be sad about it. But um, we'll start with, oh, we'll go front row. And- yeah, I want picnics, mate. <laughs> Old gold,
1: that's the trash that's down there.
2: Oh, anyway. oh God. No, I think, I mean, where it's such a, it's such a loss in the hooking department. We can still go slipper at our in the front row, which is a nice thing. And you've got consistency with two Brumbies available. Cause there are only two hookers left. You've got Lockie Lonergan or you've got Flau Funga. I mean, do you, do you toss Funga at another start out of necessity? I'm more inclined to go with Lonergan and just give him a crack, see what happens. I mean, it's, yes, it's the final test. I desperately want to win. And I don't know if Feingart has done enough to earn a start. Lonergan, people have a few complaints about him being a bit light, but you've got to give him a crack against Wales without missing a few players. We'll see how it goes. But you keep that consistency. So I'd go Slipper, Triple A, Frost and Neville, keep it all Brumbies, tight five. And then your back row, you've got Holloway, Hooper, and I'd put in Pete Samo. Yep. Yep.
1: Okay, cool. So give me six again. Holloway, yeah, cool, Yep. Yeah, I'm just writing it down. Holloway, hoops, and Simon.
0: easy. All right, Joe. This is going to be quick because I have the same starting eight. <laughs> but, yeah, great really. minds, Joey. Yeah, yeah, great exactly. minds. Um, yeah, I just can't. I can't reward Fyenger yeah. for for yeah. that performance yep. to give him a start after doing that. I think sends the wrong message. Um, like ideally, he wouldn't be in the 23, but. If we're not in a position to not to do that. So I'd put Lockie in for the start. Yep. Um, I also just think like, yeah, anyway. but yeah, I would happily do that. I think that's the only change. Samuel at eight's obvious yep. and you keep the rest of the forward pack the same. Completely agree. And that's basically
1: the same team that I would have been picking as well. Um, I think if we ask ourselves the question of who do we think is actually going to be part of the rugby world cup squad, would it be one of going to And I think, probably fine guy, but with the narrative and all the challenges we've been having with discipline, we need to have consequences for ill discipline. And I cannot Um, support, I mean, as much as my support matters, I cannot support the idea that Faiyengar is uh, going to be getting another run on start after giving away that brain dead penalty um, and getting the card from it. So that's, I I think that's a pretty good shout on your end, gentlemen. Okay, so Joey, we'll start with you this time for your back line. Who are you going for your back line?
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, Nick White at scrum half, Lalesio at 10, Marky Mark on one wing, Hodge at 12, Igatow 13, Wright and Campbell on the wing and fullback to yeah, round cool. it out. Um, Hodge is just the safer option at 12, I think. He gives you experience, gives you size, gives you a kicking game um, in that role. Uh, yeah, I think. And he gives you the like a long, con- like T conversion option as well um, for that. Uh, the others are sort of self-explanatory i suppose I don't, yep yep i yeah. think that's all pretty good shout yeah. um lucky what are you thinking
2: i think that back line is much safer than mine i've sort <laughs> of gone down the i've gone down <laughs> the junior wallabies nostalgia track here so i've got McDermott starting at nine uh donaldson at 10 with loliceo at 12 which would um, be putting together that 2018 junior wallabies um then you've got marky mark And Tom Wright on the wings, uh, Big Laniki Tow at 13, and Hodge at fullback.
1: Yeah, cool. I can see the logic in that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I can see the logic in that. I don't personally, I don't think that's the route that um, running. Oh, it won't go, happen. There's no but... chance it will <laughs> no. But I love it. I'd love to see Donaldson. See. I'd love to see Donaldson get a start at 10. Um, but I don't think he should,
2: but it still would be fun to see anyway. Okay, cool. Let's go to your bench then, Lockie. Bench. Uh, well, bench is Fine uh, Robertson, and Gibbon. Yep. Um, although I'm not sure if Gibbon plays tight head. Robertson. I'm not sure about the Robertson, Robertson, op- Robertson can. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure if i would have to come in, but I'd prefer keep it Gibbon and Robertson. Um, then you've got Swain and McWright, um, White coming in for a bit of Nouse off the edge, and then Pataya
0: and Campbell. Yep. Okay, cool. And Joey? Uh, yeah, same front row replacements. Uh, I was sort of tossing up, do you go Swain and McWright, or do you go Swain and Hennigan as a comp- combination, or Hennigan and... McWright. uh, mm. I've gone with Swain and Hennigan for size, assuming that hoops will go because with Hennigan providing the back row cover, mm. yep. with hoops expected to go 80. And yep. if he was to get injured, Samu covers and you just move Holloway. Yeah, yep. something like that. Yep. Um, McDermott on the bench, I can't have Gordon, like you, you can't reward performances again, a bit like Feinger. If you yeah you can't just <laughs> someone yeah. puts in a performance like that you kind of got to go mate you have got to have a week off um, Donaldson and then Pattaya was okay. the rounding out the back the, the uh,
1: backs. It's good to see that the uh, pack at the very least is consistent and that that's really important. And then we're we're basically all in the realistic agreement that it's going to be Lulasiu who steps in at ten, um, and I think we'll probably see White get another run. I think because this is a must-win game. If there, if we want to salvage any level of credibility on this tour, we have to beat an understrength Wales team. And so you have to have as much as possible. You, simply your best players starting. Um, and White is far and away our best number nine. Anybody who claims otherwise is just drinking the Kool-Aid. So they are very, very wrong. Um, okay, guys. This is, I don't know. If this has been a good thing or not i don't know if this has been a good chat because have we spoken too positively about yet another loss i mean have we delved too deep into the frustrations or not enough because it, realistically this is another game that we have lost on tour we have only won our initial game against scotland and then lost to france italy and now ireland what happens if we don't win against Wales this coming week, like Joe, is, is does does Rugby Australia just like burn down its building, shut up shop, and just give up on the Rugby World Cup?
0: No, like no? I don't think it. <laughs> no, it's like I think for starters,
1: you're too far it. too it's, serious and, and straight yeah, this, mate. No, no,
0: no, no. It's like one that'd be expensive, and I think <laughs> the, the NRL and the, all the other people at Moore Park would be pretty upset. Uh, if you started burning down <laughs> that area, they spent a lot of money on it. Don't don't burn down the new stadium. Um, it was, yeah, I know. Like, I hope they win. God, Wales are you know in a worse state than we are. So um, you'd hope we do get the win. Um, but if we don't, I don't really know what. Like, does it make any difference? It's a bad year. It's not going. One win's not going to change that. It's like we could have beaten like, yeah, I just don't think it's a big, like it, I don't think it makes much difference. We've, as we've spoken about, the injury toll is ridiculous. It's a big asterisk. Like they should have won arguably at least one of these two games against mm. France and Ireland. Mm. Um, they didn't deserve to win against Italy, um, but they should have won one of those. I think there was enough, probably the, well, both of them, actually, they got... As f- like they got the luck of the, with the run of it. And I think that's where it's frustrating is that sort of thing, but is that it? they should win those games. You'd think they'd at least, you'd hope they'd get one of them across the line. Yep. Uh, and they both, I think like, you know, you got France first, you know, first game out of the gates with no prep. And then you get Ireland, Sexton goes down in the warm up. You know, you can't ask for much more. So you're kind of hoping that you're, Like They should be good enough to get a win, to at least win one of those. So that's where it is disappointing. But given that that's not happened, it's sort of like if they win next week against Wales, I don't think it changes my view on it. It'll make my Sunday better. Like I won't be upset, (laughs) but it's not going to change my view on next year or anything like that, I think, at the moment. It's sort of like the World Cup's its own thing. These tournaments, I think, are their own torn like they're, they're their own, own little ideas. iterations of yeah, this. Exactly. like you're like, not
1: going to have this level of yeah. uh scrum half rotation at the Rugby World Cup next but year but also
0: you get more time with them like mm. like you look at what England did in 2019 you know they don't get them for long enough to actually bet anything like down as much so you'd hope going into next year before the World Cup when Super Rugby finishes Rennie has them will have them pretty well full time right through to the end of that tournament whenever that they finish. And you'd hope that everyone will be fit. Hopefully, Quade's back and playing well. Samu's going to be there. Fingers crossed Taniellas, not a rupture, and it's only a tear, and he gets back. But they, and they go in with a as full of strength 23. And I think there's there is still that hope. And well, not even hope, like they're a really good chance because they're in, they're on the weak side of the World Cup draw. Yep. They don't. Play, there's, they won't see an island of France, New Zealand, or South Africa until the semi final. Um, so, all they've basically got to do is be able to beat, um, and it's probably easier said than done, but they've got to beat Wales, Fiji, and Georgia. They'll go through top and then they'll play either England or Argentina, I think, in a quarter final. And they're capable of beating both those teams. And then you're in a World Cup semi final. And then We've, and we've and then seen, anything and, can happen from that. Well, I mean, we've beaten South Africa three of the last four times we've played them. We can beat New Zealand on our day. We can beat France on our day. We can beat Ireland on our day. We've just seen that that we're good enough to do that. Um, yep. So I like to me tomorrow next week. will just be. It doesn't say anything about next year. It's just whether or not we enjoy our breakfast. Well, on, a, on Sunday morning or not. On yeah. that point, what we're actually
1: going to do is we're going to jump straight on into our chat from the games over the weekend. And the reason why is because you have brought up the World Cup and there was an incredible match over the weekend that has directly impacted the outcome of Australia's campaign. Mm-hmm. And that was the Portuguese defeat of america in the qualifying tournament in dubai uh well actually that's not true they drew but they went through based upon points difference and portugal is now going to their first ever world cup and they're going to be in pool c with us uh wales australia fiji georgia and portugal this was an incredible storyline lucky how good was this to see
2: I mean, how can you not be on the Oslobos bandwagon? Yeah. It's just, they're just the best team to back. They've got to be a second team at the World Cup. I mean, I saw a couple of the highlights from their qualifying tournament and I think it was um, Morgan Turanui calling it over there. And some of the plays that they've pulled out from God knows where and their backline moves are sensational. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really excited to watch it. And I mean, probably no one was backing them in to get past the States and knock them out, who are quite conveniently hosting the next uh, World <laughs> Cup, what, 2031? Yep. So they have got to pull something out over in the States because that's going to absolutely sting. But seeing Portugal have a crack, it's fantastic. I, I wasn't aware that it was their first World Cup. I thought they might have been in once or, or twice I think previously. Maybe
0: 07? I, I thought they were in 07. Okay, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. That's fine. But, yep. I mean, it's, yeah.
2: been, it's been forever. And how good for the game to see a new nation in and having a crack as well. So super stoked for them. But there's been, I mean, there's been some amazing results over the weekend, including that one.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And it was just—it was an incredible game to just watch a highlights. So of I want to go back and watch the full game. The passion and the excitement. They had a bunch of their um, kind of coaching staff and support staff on the sidelines who just could not bear to watch the final kick from uh, Marks uh, as he was as, as he was taking that opportunity. So it was it was just an incredible thing to watch. Um, so 2007 Rugby World Cup, they they got eliminated in the pool stages of 2007. So uh, it is the most recent one from since then uh, with a minus 171 points for and against <laughs> dark, dark horses, dark horses. I'm sure. wonder what the odds are for them. Um, anyway, Anyway, let's look at the games over the weekend because there were some pretty incredible performances. Uh, obviously, we've spoken already about Portugal uh, and their match, but let's start off with a couple of others, particularly for Pool C. It's important. Wales going down at home 12 to Georgia 13. One of the biggest upsets of this Autumn Nation series. Uh, probably up there in line with Italy being, beating Australia. Um, if not, Oh, maybe a little bit less, but either way, it was a huge, huge performance for them. Uh, any, any, either, either of you guys catch this game? Or have anything you wanted to say about this match?
0: I didn't no. catch it. No. But right. I did. Uh, but I will say it makes the uh, case for expanding the Six Nations a bit more compelling. <laughs> it, it really does, doesn't it? And um, I really enjoyed
1: on Twitter some of the quotes from Squidge Rugby, who's a mm-hmm. rabid Welsh <laughs> rugby fan, basically saying like, "Screw this! Defund the Welsh Rugby Union. Send all their money to the women's game for Welsh <laughs> rugby, and uh, I'm done with it." Um, so I just absolutely love that. Or it was they were saying that. There was a new case for Georgia to be entering the Six Nations and ev- evict Wales as a result of this game. <laughs> they were just so frustrated. Um, interesting point, though. Okay, so Welsh rugby has been pretty poor since Warren Gatland left. Uh, Wayne Pivak's taken over and definitely hasn't hit the same heights. Um, but Sam Warburton oh, in the Six Nations. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but consistently, consistent performances. Um, and so one of the things that Sam Warburton said in his kind of post-match punditry was pointing to similar kind of governance issues within Welsh rugby and saying that, look, the performances of the teams on the park, you can't really blame the players and blame a particular kick or blame a missed tackle for the reason why they lost the game. You've got to go deeper into some of the fundamental issues. And I think it's just an interesting point to consider in, in conversation with Australian rugby and some of the questions that, have been getting asked around, um, the role of rugby Australia, the role of the super rugby teams and their alignment with the state bodies. Anyway, I thought, just thought that was interesting. Uh, Italy got absolutely pumped by South Africa, 21 to 63. Scotland similarly, oh, I'm, I'm sure if, not sure if it's a pumping, but it was 52 to 29 uh, with red card, a couple of yellows, some of the best all-time banter coming from yes. uh, Julian Montoya mm. um, was just absolutely brilliant saying to uh, Van der Merwe, oh, you want me to say that in Afrikaans so you can understand it? Oh, so, so good. So good. Um, before one of the greatest comebacks in English rugby history, being down by like seventeen points or something like that in the last ten minutes, and then England coming back and scoring two converted tries and a penalty to draw the game against New Zealand twenty-five all. This was just an absolute bananas, absolutely ridiculous game. You guys have anything you want
2: to add onto this match? I mean. Any Kiwis, and I've seen a few of them on Instagram and Twitter poking their little heads up, that are saying, oh, you know, it's a good result. England's a good side. You know, we're in a dark place. They are kidding themselves. They would be filthy, filthy. You don't see an All Blacks team giving up a 17, 14-point lead with 10 to go, ever. That's not something that ever happens. And for the most part, I I caught a bit of the um, highlights. And for the most part, it looked as though the All Blacks were just in total cruise control which makes me worried about how good England can be at mm. the world cup. Cause we see patches. I mean, obviously the RGs dusted them a little earlier. They had some pretty middling results in Australia, even though they won the series. But I mean, if they can bottle that up that 10 minutes, especially on our side of the draw, you'd almost shoo them in for a semi in that form.
1: Yep. Yep. I it's it's definitely a, they're a dark horse in my mind for the Rugby World Cup. They're one of the teams to really, I guess not dark horse because they are a quality side, but, but they can be so devastating on their day. Uh, then we finish off. Ireland obviously getting up over Australia 13-10 and then France haven't played Japan at the time of recording. So fairly action-packed game uh, set of matches across the weekend. And we get to now move into the locker room, guys. So for those of you who don't know, the locker room is an opportunity for you, our dear listeners, to get in touch, Mm -hmm. send us your questions, comments, complaints, whatever it is, and we will touch on it. We will discuss it. We will bring it up and uh, basically just throw it each way and see what comes out the other side. Now, I need to give a shout-out to Christy and Willie Kay, who has sent through a veritable essay, an essay, dear readers. It's literally like oh, 300 words. So if I was to read through the whole thing, we'd be here for at least five minutes of me reading it. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to read it all out there. He does identify, because I know it actually is Willie He's writing this, um, does identify that it's uh, Nwanganitua, say Pattaya and the pack were pretty good. Defensively, we were strong, especially when we had 13 men for that like two minute period. Um, one of the things he challenges is, the um, subbing issues around or the substitutions or the use of the bench within the games. Not sure why you'd bring on, why you wouldn't bring on Noah at 12. As I th- who mentioned that
2: before, Lockie, was it you who mentioned yeah. uh, that? That was more for a wish list for Wales, but uh, he's definitely an option. That's what gets me.
1: Yeah. And he, he's played, he's played 12 at a younger level, like you were saying. And so, look, if you're down Paisami and um, why wouldn't you bring Lolasiu on? And then that means that you can have um, Pataya still as a back three cover or bring Pataya on. But then when Kellaway goes off, move Pataya to the wing and then Lolisiu into 12. So I think it just showed a real lack of trust in Lolisiu from Rennie. And that's that's a really interesting point. Um he does emphasize, Christy, the fact that four penalties in a row for the same offense is bizarre and wouldn't be tolerated at a subby level, but what's the point of going on and on? We're all hurting and we're all living in a past with a golden era of 20 effing years ago. <laughs> so it's, it's a great rant. It's a brilliant rant and part of me wants to post it online, but I haven't got permission yet. So (laughs) we'll see how it goes another time. Um, Let's go now to Sheepy. So Sheepy is a regular listener. Love your work, mate. Uh, He has a statement here. Previous coaches have been criticized for sticking with players who weren't performing. Rennie has built confirmed depth, even if he did use too many swap outs against Italy. From this point on, work on cohesion, pick and stick, and work on his bench management. Joey, this seems to be a view that's probably aligning with a bit of what you're thinking.
0: Yeah, I I agree with what he's saying. I mean, some of that depth uh, production has probably been forced on him um, because just given the length of the injuries. But like we genuinely do, I think it's kind of funny. Like when you sort of start sit there and, and start looking at, well, who would replace who and stuff like that, it's uh, like they're not guys that I go, oh, I don't really want them. In the Wallabies, like there's only a couple of them that go, oh, I oh, don't, I'm not sure about that. But there are some like, oh, that's kind of exciting. I don't mind seeing them how they go. Ideally, they come in and you put them into a team that's settled, so that they just have to worry about what they're doing mm-hmm. and not what everyone else is going to be doing as well. But like most of the guys getting a go are people that we kind of want to see at that level and see if they can perform. Um, Marky Mike being a classic example, Jock Campbell, like, and they've all done pretty well. So it's not, there's, yeah, I, I agree with him. I think it's uh, like, we've built pretty good depth. We've got like, yeah, a good squad now in a lot of positions. The only, it's only the only real problem areas are the same problem areas we've had for a long time. And that's 10 and 15. And unfortunately that just takes, time um, yep. well, Luckily,
1: we've got Campbell there now, which is somebody who hopefully will be able to grow yeah. into that position. But let's move on to Rev at Rugby Fixations entry. We miss you, Rev. Hope you're doing well, mate. Uh, really deflating loss. The most indifferent I've been post-match. Does anybody, does any result against a Welsh side that just lost to Georgia mean anything if we even happen to get one? Seems like we just need to get back to Australia. Wrap everyone in cotton wool before we have to play Dave Rennie at 12. Lucky. Does any result against the Welsh side matter?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, they all matter. That's the the whole point is that we're playing test matches and you win test matches, you're playing for your country. So, like, I mean, writing off a Welsh game is defeatist. It's not the mindset that we should be having. We should be winning games. And we have to, in my opinion. It's a huge market to lay down ahead of pool C especially given Wales have had our number the last couple of times we've played them. And it's a great opportunity. They're missing players outside the window. We need to be getting a result here. I I get that people feel indifferent because results have been so poor, but that, that, that attitude just rubs me the wrong way. I love it. So good. I can't
1: wait for Rev to get his reply back on that one. Uh, Jock Cudmore, no doubt you'll touch on it, but for Christ's sakes, it needs to be a Royal Commission into the strength, conditioning, and training of the Wallabies because the injury toll is too large to be explained away as unfortunate accidents, et cetera. No other country has had this level before. Now, I do not in any way, shape, or form have the statistics to back up whether or not another country has had this level before. So uh, I'm I'll disappointed take that in, one.
0: I'm disappointed in you, Andrew. Why have you <laughs> done, your, done your homework? your homework? Sorry, guys. Sorry.
1: Now, um, Brett McKay actually put up on Twitter that his Wallabies injury list now runs to 42 separate incidents to 28 different players now, um, inclusive of five injuries from the Island game. And that doesn't include Swinton and Rodder from Super Rugby, nor James O'Connor in Club club Rugby. And uh, the calculations work out to 3.2 injuries to players per game. Now, some of that, some, and I don't know the exact numbers, but some of it, but could be explained away um, from uh, concussion protocols because there's a heightened increase in that which is great good okay cool not a problem at all um, but i mean when we have of the five players that are out from this game four of them are non-concussion related it's just getting to the point of ridicule and so i know that there was commentary or talk over rugby australia doing a bit of a review of the strength and conditioning program but I think that that needs to be made loud and it needs to, maybe not the full report, but like an executive summary of what the findings are made public so that the Wolves fans understand what is going on here because it this level of injury is just crippling australian rugby right now in a capacity the world is to perform um one comment from joshua Ahern coming in he asks, fitness are we fit enough the quote on our second half fadeaways uh the quote on our second half fadeaways is a clear indication of lack of fitness also the discipline issue is another indicator of fitness we become sloppy when we're overtired getting frustrated or taking the easy option so Completely uh, agree that the discipline can be an indicator of a lack of fitness. Uh, Lockie, do you think that the issue for the team overall is fitness?
2: Oh, I think it comes down to a couple of things and strength and conditioning is certainly one of them. I think when we... uh, to, To reel it back a little bit, back in the end of September, so two months now, uh, Wallaby started advertising again for a head of athletic performance, and it's sort of there's been a few whispers about the standard uh, which has been setting, which has been set sorry at Rugby Australia with regards to the strength and the conditioning and whether up to it. And if you look at our skill execution under pressure and the errors that we make, how can it not be related to our conditioning and our ability to perform under pressure? So I think that's a that's a massive part of it. What I mean, what do you make, Joey?
0: uh yeah it's interesting one um it is and it isn't like i mean we also give away dumb penalties in the first 10 minutes like we gave away four penalties in the first 10 minutes today so i mean that's not fitness they just walked onto the field so that's a attention that might be an over eagerness and attention to detail thing i don't know like but i feel like we've been talking about the fitness of australian rugby's players since michael checker was coach he was would bemoan the fitness of the Wallabies that and the state that they'd get in when he, they'd turn back from um, – when he'd get them from Super Rugby. So, yep. um, yeah, it is an issue. Um, you do – and I think Rennie said that the first time he came in, he said, we're not fit enough. Um, this needs to get better from a Super Rugby level. Um, so I think that's where it starts. They have them for the majority of the time. So I don't know how you go about fixing it. That's a structural alignment thing with – programs um that's the, it, the like the people yeah. have had a lot of money to solve these problems and get this stuff right and the, uh but yeah so I, d- I think that's yeah i think there's, there's got to be some alignment on programs and how and standards that need to be met um and yeah i think that's the solution to it but it seems to have been going on for it's a lot longer than just this year it's and feels at like that's it's been 10, year, 10 years worth of this sort of stuff
1: yeah, that ties in super well to what um, Chrissy Doran was writing for The Roy in his interview with David Nussifora, who has basically done a lot of the centralization elements of Irish rugby over the last decade, which has led to their really, really impressive uh, upturn over, over that decade. And he uh, points to elements of what they've done over there as things that he was trying to bring through in Australian rugby prior to him going over to Ireland. And I just wonder how much our strength and conditioning and overall fitness would improve with um, with more communication and alignment and oversight from our national body um, or from somebody in a more centralized manner so it's not just super rugby teams doing their own individual things but you're having best practice like industry level best practice spread down across all five australian provinces regardless of whoever it is that can afford that particular consultant coming in That it's something provided by the central body anyway Anyway, um, moving on, because we are nearly at the end. Uh, We also have Mitch, who's jumped in, our regular co-host who cannot be here. Um, Even if we win against Wales next week, how do we review the decision-making and tactical decisions from 2022? This week, we again went to the corner with a game on the line, turned the ball over. Our accuracy and decision-making in these tight games hasn't been good enough. Um, I agree at times that has been a problem. I think this week I'm very happy with the decision to go for the corner and try to play for the win. I would have been pretty frustrated to go for a penalty when it was a mark, like a tough penalty kick from where it was taken, you go for the corner and you try for them all from there. Um, we'd, re- we'd just lost the previous scrum, I think, as well. So I wouldn't have been keen to see the scrum option taken and taking a tap. We don't do that very often, so we're not very good at it. <laughs> so I, I'd be much... I, I think the right decision was made to go for the line out. You can definitely question the accuracy of the play after that. Um, that that's that's fine, but I think the decision itself was was correct. So let's jump on to TC, who's got in touch and said this year's been an absolute disaster from soup to nuts. Have missed pretty much every metric, and Wallabies on track for the worst season since 1958. My question is, how do we come back from there? I mean, I'll start this. You kind of don't because we got one game left, and I don't think we can very much come back from <laughs> there. Um, but Lucky, just a really quick comment here. What are you hoping the Wallabies are improving on moving forward?
2: Oh, I'm still hung up on soup to nuts. That's a fantastic <laughs> term and it's, introduce it's that there. into my daily routine. Um, oh, all I want to see is improved discipline. And I know it's been harped on all year and even longer, sort of back into the the, the checker days. But, I mean, we're averaging, what, 13, 14 penalties a game, countless red cards and yellows and It can't be that difficult. It can't be that difficult to fix this, whether it's culturally what's being taught, whether it's getting a ref regularly down at training and pulling people up on this, it has to improve. So, I mean, some steps in the Welsh game would be all that I'm asking for. And it is doable. I mean, it's not hard to get a half step back offside. It's not hard to not neck roll people. These are things that we coach in under 14s and 15s. Like this should be executed properly at a test level.
1: Yep. hundred percent. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to finish there. Uh, one interesting thing. I think I might finish off with, with a bit of positivity. Okay. So Br- Brumby's fan replied to a post of ours on Twitter saying, if I could add some positivity our aggregate score when playing the top ranked two nations, Ireland minus three, second best of the top nations, New Zealand first uh, and against France, where they were plus two. So basically we're really, really close to those top teams Results didn't go away. A few decisions didn't go away, um, both in terms of player decisions and refereeing calls, but mostly player decisions. And imagine if we didn't have the hefty injury results that we have, things could be a lot different. So I think if we just end on that um, green and gold kind of blinkers of, imagine what things could be. That is the best way. And, and really the way that a rugby fan in Australia should live their lives just in blind hope. Now, on that note, it has been fun. Joey, thank you. Lockie, thank you. Lockie, if people are wanting to follow you or find out a bit more about, about what you're doing, where would they find you?
2: Oh, they can jump onto Instagram. We're at underscore scrumbags underscore. So go check it out. Uh, we do a lot with uh, Pick and Drive and a few other rugby accounts around, just having a bit of fun, a bit of commentary and a bit of chats, nothing too serious. So pop over if that's your thing. And it's been an absolute pleasure jumping on. So thanks for having me, guys.
1: Mate, thank you for coming on board. And Joey, again, thank you for the late call-up. Oh, thank uh, you for having me. Do you want anybody finding you? No,
0: it's okay. <laughs> no,
1: it's okay. <laughs> I thought I'd check before I just I'll, throw you I'll back. find them. He's going
0: dark. Yeah, he's going dark.
1: Uh, He he says he lives in Canberra. I reckon he's a spook, mate. I reckon he's a spook. (laughs) Um, Is your real name even, Joe? Who knows? So again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Have a wonderful week and we'll catch you later. Bye.